You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Indians fans. This is Jeff Ellis, the Locked On Indians podcast. I'm hoping that everyone got yesterday's podcast. I just want to make a quick note at the top of the show. I uploaded the wrong podcast, immediately realized it, and then changed it on Megaphone. Now, I have noticed in the past that sometimes on Megaphone, uh, I'll upload something, like I'll type something in just the description box, I'll save everything and go back in to edit it, and then it never shows up later. So at least um, in the... The app I use for podcasts, so it does make me a little concerned. I had someone say that they heard the same podcast twice. If that is the case, I might eventually uh, throw the the long, sad podcast after the Indians' round two loss up, uh, maybe after a week or so, just to let us all have some time. So just let me know if you heard that one. It's like 32 minutes in length. I went really long. I talked about finances. I looked into a lot of things. And let's just start there. Uh, the Indians are on pace to cut a ton of salary, especially if they make trades. I calculated upwards of $40 million in savings on last night's podcast. Now the question is, will they reinvest in the team? I mean, you look at the outfield market. Uh, I wasn't in love with the idea of adding Jackie Bradley Jr., and then he, post-deadline, had a fantastic second half. Uh, they, he's actually has the second-highest war of any... Uh, free agent outfielder higher than George Springer. Marcelo Zuna, who had a fantastic year, is one. Then you got Springer, or Bradley, then Springer. Then you have uh, Mark, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Kaneha from Oakland, who I would, by the way, love to add. Uh, he would be my number one target. Number two target, Robbie Grossman. Uh, Grossman's been really productive over the years, and why not go out and add someone who can get probably pretty cheaply, who... Uh, like, let's just take a second and talk Robbie Grossman here. Uh, because you might remember him because he was with the Indians briefly. Uh, they did not keep him. Now, as I pull up his data, he's played all three outfield spots. And you go back, Minnesota. Let's go back to that year in Minnesota. First year in Minnesota, 829 OPS. Uh, really high bat pit, but he's walking over 14% of the time. He had 11 home runs. Now, there's not really much power. That is his weakness in general. Next year at the Twins, 119 games, 741 OPS. So not great, uh, not terrible. 751 the next year. Again, just I I would kill for 751 OPS in the Indians outfield. Who are we kidding? Uh, then he has a the, after the six the 751 uh, Minnesota lets him go. He goes to Oakland, a 682 in 2019 and an 826 this past year. Now his bat pip his bat pips were actually pretty low the last two years compared to some of the points where they've been exceptionally high in Minnesota. So yeah, Robbie Grossman, uh definitely give him a contact call. And Mark uh Kaneha, I believe was a rule five pick in my mind, uh when they is how Oakland acquired him from Miami. Uh he had played three years at Cal, seventh round draft pick. And drafted in 2010, appears with Oakland in 2015. So yeah, I think my my memory is correct. 16 home runs, 12 home runs, 17 home runs. Last year had 26, has 25 this year. Has a down year, not as good as his previous years, but still 795 uh, OPS for the uh, for him. 386 on base, 396 on base the year before. 
walked 15% of the time this year, 13% of the time last year, and he can play some outfield. He is a, for those who are uh, unfamiliar with him, so far in the majors he has played 450 games at first, 228 at left, 146 in center, 136 in right field and 24 at DH, along with 33 at catcher. Uh, he has been a almost a borderline super utility guy. Uh, his baseball cube uh, uh, service time has not been updated yet. That's in 2019 because he now has enough uh, time that he will hit free agency. Uh, let's see. He is 31 years old, and he bats. He's a right-handed bat, which I know people aren't screaming for anymore, but still, that's that. those are the two like likely targets for the Indians. Uh, give me Kaneha, give me Grossman, give me Brantley. Those would be my three outfield uh, choices. Brantley probably gets expensive, and his defense and health are starting to become an issue. That's why I say Kaneha, who has been uh, a picture of health at this point in time. You look at his career, 59 games this year. I think how many there were, 126, 122. 2017, he only had 57, but that's because he struggled in 2017, spent a lot of time. In the minors, uh, 2015, let's see, 2016 was 16 games. So there was an injury in there. And 2015 was uh, 124 games. So a guy who's looking to hit free agency for the first time, uh, does a lot of things well, and has a career walk percentage of 9.9% last two years. Again, 13 and 15. That can't be 9.9. No, that's what it says on here. Uh, hits for some power. It plays all over. Markaneha. So what was interesting is I spent a lot of time today looking at landing spots for Francisco Lindor because that's how I cope. That is my coping mechanism is coming up with trades. I'm not good at it, but I like to do it. And the one thing that becomes obvious is, you know, when you look at what happened with the Indians against the Yankees, that's also why the Indians were never going to trade Kel Evinger in the AL. They, when they trade their stars, are looking at NL teams. They don't want to, I mean, yes, they did not face Clevenger because they didn't trade him to the Yankees, but they didn't want to be in a situation where that can come back and get egg on their face. So Lindor is likely headed to a National League team this offseason. So then it was, can you find a match? And the Indians have such a dire need in outfield. And I was looking at, you know, contenders and teams like that. And who might want to step up and, you know, who wants to make a deal, basically. And, uh, man, a lot of teams need outfielders. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies, did you know there's still Trot and Jerry Bruce out there? Uh, they got Bruce and McCutcheon are two of their spots in the age of those guys, uh, Scott Kingry had a terrible year after his he got sick with COVID and just didn't seem to be the same guy for them. Miami Marlins have some young kids they haven't tried out. They did trade for Sterling Marte, uh, <laughs> makes like 40% of their payroll this year. Uh, Atlanta Braves, if they lose Ozuna, yeah, you can. they got the two young kids to promote with uh, Waters and Pache. But Marquecas didn't look good. Uh, Adam Duvall is still there, who had a great year for them. I'll be curious to see what they do. But, you know, the long and the short of it is a lot of teams actually need outfield help. This is not the, not something that is only the Indians. And, you know, I'm going to kind of come back and talk about some trades on the second half of the show today. So make sure to stick around. So our sponsor today is Built Bar, and I got my new Built Bar box in the mail today. I'm a fan of the pumpkin. Uh, I know that probably made a few of you just turn off the podcast because some people really hate it. But uh, I really like their new change. i got to be honest. I was like, okay, they're completely changing their formula. It's um, before 
when you were it was almost too gooey at points for me this is definitely uh it's not hard by any means but uh, it, it just tasted richer it was i preferred it uh you know the old bar you look at the back you could kind of see all the the parts inside like it was a very kind of thin shell around you know the nutrient goodness which obviously i enjoyed enough that this is like my fourth order from them but with that fourth order uh i think the change is a good thing and if you want to go check it out you want to try those new flavors see what built bar is all about go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on i used it in my order and try it out for yourself uh promo code locked on builtbar.com again this is what i eat for breakfast every day i can't recommend this product enough uh, there is one piece of housekeeping in terms of roster maneuvers. The Indians apparently had an open spot on their 40-man, and since their season is over, they uh, put Emmanuel Classe already back on their 40-man roster. That means they are now at max size for the 40-man. Uh, I was looking at some 40-man stuff just before the podcast, and when you're looking at the Indians, it's going to be interesting how they handle this 40-man situation because they have to add Nolan Jones, they have to add Gabriel Arias, and I think you have to add Eli Morgan. You don't add any of those three, they're all gone. So I think those three all get added to the 40-man. You also have to uh, probably add Carlos Vargas because of his stuff and ability. They have not let guys like him typically go. And let's talk about, on top of those four, you know, Jeffrey Rodriguez, Everyone who's on that extended DL, that 40-60 DL needs to be added in. So that's five guys right there, top of my head. So how do you balance out those five guys before we get into these these deals, I promised? Uh, just let's go through and eliminate the free agents to clear these five spots. You have Oliver Perez clears one spot. Uh, Bo Taylor and Sandy Leon clear two more spots. So that takes you up to uh, needing to clear two spots left. Carlos Santana takes you down to one and Cesar Hernandez guess what that's a 40 man right there uh they can still do more you know we haven't talked about some of the dead weight uh Bobby Bradley could be someone they let go Mike Freeman is someone who they would likely clear just to clear the roster spot and then bring back as a non-roster invitee uh there could be some other players that they do the the like with but I think right now the most likely players to get let cut off this roster are Bobby Bradley Mike Freeman Looking at the outfielders, maybe Jake Bowers. I would say those are the three names to keep in mind. So let's now talk trades. So, Cleveland Indians. Lindor, I, I think it's a less than 1% chance he's on roster. They l- always look at it just very cold-heartedly, and I think that's what you have to. You have to be very honest about what it is to be the Cleveland Indians, and you have to you can't let uh, a pros- uh, can't let a valuable property go for nothing. And if you let Lindor leave at the end of the season, uh, they're going to get a pick in 2022 near the back of the second round. Or, I'm sorry, probably the back of the first round. So somewhere in the 30s. Uh, That's about where they got Tanner Burns, to give you an idea. Now, Tanner Burns didn't even make the Indians' top 10 prospects anywhere. (laughs) No list was he in the top 10 for the Cleveland Indians. I was looking at the MLB list, and I think it's so odd to look at these lists sometimes today as I was pouring through some of this stuff and I'm going to make sure I get it right Owen Miller was like listed as 18 for the Indians and earlier in the year he was like 11 or 12 for the Padres now the Padres have a better system why is he all of a sudden 18 because he's with the Indians uh the slotting on how they do some of these things always strikes me as very very odd uh and how much is just what have you a done for me lately or b uh you know just trying to organize and put people in order it's it's weird uh 
but uh, I think MLB in general does a great job, and that's why I go to that site to look at things. I don't want to be viewed as crapping on them. But just to go back to the original point, you know, the Indians have a lot of depth, and they have so many prospects. Trying to find a trade involving Lindor, you're probably hoping to get a shortstop back, and you're probably looking at an NL team. Let's just dive into teams out there and how this would look. So if you're looking in the NL West, the Dodgers, Corey Seager had a great year. They have so many pieces. Gavin Lux is the heir apparent. I don't think they're in on Lindor at this point in time. Padres could be, but are you going to mess with Tatis? I don't see how you can mess with your MVP talent shortstop, one of the best young talents in the game. That makes it seem very unlikely to me. Rockies are a disaster, and they're not trading for someone who's a free agent to be. The Giants were a surprise team, but still finished under 500, and the D-backs sold off everything. So NL West really feels out to me. NL Central, I'm not going to even bother talking about the Pirates. The Brewers could use Lindor. I don't know how you could ever put together a deal. I mean, there could be a deal there. I don't know if the Brewers would be the type to go all in on a one-year rental. That's not really how they operate, though. The Reds, the Reds are going to be in an ugly place. Uh, They have so many free agents. I don't think they're going to go out there and start flipping pieces for a rental. Uh, Cardinals, Paul DeJong is a very good shortstop. Cubs, again, Javi Baez. The NL Central is also out. So let's move to the NL East. This is where it gets interesting. The Braves are always a team that came up with them. I think the Braves are probably the least likely team in the NL East to make a trade for Francisco Lindor. And again, they're a team where they're already bracing to cut payroll. When I talk with their fans, they don't want to add anyone. There'd be very little chance of an extension extension happening uh, with Lindor. And Sonson is coming off a very strong season. So the Braves, probably your least likely team out there. Or, I mean, in fairness, probably your second least likely team. Uh, Trey Turner had a fantastic year at the Washington Nationals. They have other needs, other issues. Uh, Lindor is, doesn't make a lot of sense for them at the current point in time. So then, <laughs> what you're thinking out there, so basically the Indians can't trade Lindor. Well, there's three teams left. And all three teams are really interesting candidates for Francisco Lindor trade. Let's start with the one that didn't make the playoffs, and that's the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies, uh, if they choose to keep their GM, Matt Klentak, he is going to know that his backside is on the line. Uh, He isn't going to care about tomorrow. It's all about today. And when you look at the Phillies in general, they could also use a reliever. This is the team that could sit back and conceivably take on Hand and Lindor in a, a single trade. Uh, their payroll is kind of high, and you know they're trying to figure out everything that's going to happen with um, Real Muto, which they have to, to focus in. But just looking at their payroll for next year to see if they could absorb both, you know, it's it's not ideal because again, Real Muto is coming ten million off their books unless they manage to work a deal. Uh, Juan Segura has a full no trade clause. I don't know if he'd want to go to Cleveland. He's making 14, basically 15 million, 15 million, 15 million, and then a club option for 17 million. I think if he were to accept the trade, he'd want uh, the agreements to be that that is turned into just a year on his contract. Scott Kingery, his contract is starting to quickly escalate. Bryce Harper is making basically 28 million a year. Andrew McCutcheon makes 20 million next year. Uh, Jay Bruce is 14 million off the books for them. Wheeler makes 22. Arietta who 
feel like is an option for his club option to not get picked up at 20 million. Uh, Nola's contract is going up. Dave Robertson at 12 million, probably not picked up. Uh, Hector Norris was about the only reliever they had, so I think his 7 million option gets picked up. And David Phelps, 4.5. I don't know. But the long and short of this is yes, I think they can afford to take on salary because Real Moto is 10 million off, and Arietta would be you're up to 30 million. Robertson takes you up to 42, and almost 50 million off the books with Phelps coming off. I don't know if the Indians would have an interest in Juan Segura. Uh, he does have experience playing shortstop and or second base, and you could always have Owen Miller likely as your candidate to handle the other position or see if someone else can internally come up. Would the Indians have an interest in Scott Kingery? A year ago, he was about a league average player, which again, the Indians would love league average in their outfield, but uh, he really struggled this year. He had COVID, I believe, to start the year and just never seemed to get on track, and we don't really know what those COVID effects are on some players long term. Uh, you know, when I was calculating all that money coming off, I didn't even include the $14 million by D.D. Gregarious, which is why they would maybe need to make this deal. So that takes them up to, I mean, the Phillies could conceivably clear something like close to $80 million off their books. kind of high for Maybe closer to $70 million if they didn't pick up any options. I don't necessarily think that that's the thing. You know, you want to keep Norris at his $7 million cost, but they can... They can clear a ton of money off their books. Uh, I, you know, I was just kind of curious as looking at this. I'm like, I wonder if they could trade, like, uh, a player you've cut who's owed a ton of money. Like, how does that count against luxury tax and things like that? As I was looking at, like, uh, Odubel Herrera, who's they're going to pay ten million next year to not play for them. But just to loop back to the Phillies here, as a team, uh, DJ Gregarious is going to be, I think, the top shortstop in free agency there'll be a few teams chasing him uh they need to add outfielders uh adam hazley hasn't really worked out uh mickey moniak got the call up but is not a starter roman quinn is a fast guy who your best serve having is a backup uh but again this what it comes down to is desperation right and desperate gms can sometimes make silly maneuvers and that's kind of a situation you want to be in you want to take advantage of desperation of another team of course the downside to desperation is you know alec Baum is now their third baseman they're not going to trade a guy when they they kind of already are planning for him uh, if they move on to Guerra, they don't have anyone else to play second base they kind of need him so and you know we talked jay bruce is coming off the books so trading scott kingery then you need two outfielders and while I assume, again, Adam Hazley was a former top prospect. You're hoping he'll step in. What can make sense for the Cleveland Indians? Now, it's a team that also needs pitching. Spencer Howard is a really interesting prospect. I don't think the Indians can necessarily get him. Mick Abel is a guy who I thought the Indians would have been interested in drafting. Uh, he could be someone they talk about. I think Bryson Stott is very much uh, up there, the Indians' kind of angle of the t- players they like to uh to draft. Now, if you're not familiar with him, he was a very high pick out of UNLV. I thought he was one of the top 10 players in the 2019 draft. He got an aggressive promotion in 2019 to low A. Like a lot of times guys go into, spend a little time in rookie ball or short season. They put him in uh, A ball right away and he walked 12% of the time, had a WRC plus of 146 in 44 games. Um, 
Baum reached the majors two years being after being drafted. There were people thinking Stott could make it to the big leagues in 2021. 6'3", 200-pound shortstop. Looks like he could be average there or maybe move him to second long-term. Honestly, if you get him in a trade, I think he enters at least some of the talk with Stott and Freeman and, um, you know, frankly, and you have Arias and uh, Miller and some of those infielders, and you're just seeing who's going to shake out from that group. But he's a really good prospect, and he stood out. Uh, guys who fit the Indians' profile, I'm going to make sure I say his name right, Simone Muzadi, who was uh, a guy that the Red Sox signed, and they did some things illegally, and he was able to go back on the market, and the Phillies paid him a lot of money. And uh, excellent defender in center field. Some really good contact rates. Probably will never hit for power. But the Indians like those defense speed guys in center field. And that is certainly him. And I think my problem with the Phillies at this point in time, when you look at them as a team, Mickey Moniak is not very good. And he's a a pretty highly rated prospect in their system still. Uh, Going through their list. Like Casey Martin was a guy I was... I mean, yes, the tools are absolutely explosive for him, but he had some of the worst swing and miss I've ever seen in a college player, and there's a reason why he lasted to the third round, even though on pure talent, Casey Martin's bat... If Casey Martin had had just a average hit tool or even a 40-grade potential hit tool, uh, he would have been a top 15 pick. His speed-power ratio was the best in, this dra- in the 2020 draft class of any college player I saw. And he he goes 87 in the third round because the hit and the contact is such a concern. Uh, you know, someone you'd have to talk about, uh, Nick Maton. Yes, that's the brother. And he walks at a high percentage, does a lot of things the Indians like, a utility guy who can play a few spots. I have no doubt if the Indians were to make a trade with the Phillies, he would be like the fourth or fifth player. He just fits too perfectly into what they like to do. I think basically the biggest hang-up between any deal that could be conceivable between the Phillies and the Indians would be the fact that there's just not a lot of great prospects. You know, I'm going down the list here on MLB just to look at the names. I'm Jalen Ortiz at 19. I remember when he was like one of their top three prospects. He got a ridiculous yeah, $4 million signing bonus. Uh, and he's just never been able to make enough contact to get to his power. I'm trying to remember the outfielder they signed for just a, an insane amount, like $20 million or something in, like that, and it just he never even got to the big leagues. The, the Phillies have not had a lot of success in development and drafting, and that's re entered the situation where, I mean, their minors are, to me, a bottom-five system right now. Um I like what they did in the draft, actually the last three years in round one, but they have struggled so much, and that's what makes them a hard team to figure a trade with, uh, though they could be a desperate one, and their bullpen is so bad that I will say this. If Clintac stays, they are probably your best candidate for a Brad Hand trade, uh, just as a straight-up hand trade. Uh, he, The Phillies need relief help desperately that more than anything else might have sunk their season that's where I, I don't know if you can get stopped for him straight up that would be highway robbery and I would love it but maybe there's a lesser deal you can figure out uh, maybe it's like someone like Simon Mazzuti and another piece maybe you I don't even know what that is because again this is such an odd minor league system uh, you know Maton Mazzuti 
but you still need a bit of a headliner. I don't know. Or it's just a bunch of minor pieces because it's a rental reliever. But I, I would feel like keep all this Philly talk in mind just because if nothing else, Brad Hand, uh, we're already well over. So I'm going to put a pin in this discussion. We'll come back and barring any other breaking news or interesting stuff, talk about why the Marlins make maybe the most sense of any team uh, for a trade. And then we'll discuss the New York Mets and another situation where that is a team that could use Hand and Lindor and also uh, have a GM who's going to be feeling the hot seat with a new ownership group coming in, uh, an ownership group that has all the money in the world and uh, a team that has a lot of mismatching pieces that the Indians could use uh, could be lifesavers for the Cleveland Indians. So so that should come, again, is no surprise. I mean, I was all over the Mets last offseason as well. I thought they'd be a fantastic team to make a trade for with uh, with Lindor last offseason, and I'm still going to stick to the Mets being the team uh, in terms of pieces I love. The Marlins make a lot of sense in terms of uh, just the team fit and reasons why it would make sense there. And with the Mets, it's more just a desperate uh, GM who is could look to improve his roster. This has been Locked On Indians again for this week. I want to thank everyone who's listened, rated and reviewed, and stuck with me during a tough week for baseball. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And as always, go Tribe!